Hello, climate designers. Thank you for being part of this community of designers taking on climate action. We are graphic designers, industrial designers, fashion designers, software designers, illustrators, interaction designers, architects, or any other kind of designer pushing for climate action in their work. You can learn more and join us at climatedesigners.org. This is brought to you by Sarah Harrison and Mark O'Brien of The Determined. Hey everyone, we are here today with Michael Leggett of Nori. Uh, Michael was a UX designer at Google and a product designer at Facebook, working on things like Gmail, Inbox, Messenger, and all of these other great things. And now he is director of product at Nori, working on climate change while saving the world. Hello, Michael. Hey, Michael. Hello. Thank hey, you hey. for taking the time to chat with us. How are you today? Yeah, thanks for having me. It's I'm good. Today's a good day. Amazing. Good stuff. Yeah. So um, I want to just dive in right off the bat. Um, you sent us some notes um, before this this call to, uh, to just give us a bit more background about yourself, uh, separate from what Sarah read. And it seems like you had a pretty interesting path journey to get where you are today. So maybe you can kind of tell us about your journey from where you started and where you currently are. Absolutely. Um, how far back? Like, where, where should I start? I, <laughs> start you know, from the very beginning. Good, good question. Yeah. I, I, yeah. When people ask me that question, it's like, well, do you want the Cliff Notes version? Do you want five years ago, 10 years ago? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I'll, I'll try to be brief, but tell me, uh, like, I, I um, born and raised in Texas, uh, ended up in California for personal reasons, and uh, kind of I fell in love with the web and just, you know, making stuff and how easy it was to make things and for other people to see it. and kind of moved from jack of all trades, master of none, to wanting to really specialize. Uh, because up until that point, I was just making websites, web apps on my own for the most part. Um, landed a dream job at Google and really kind of, I think like, you know, I, I was obviously good enough to get hired as a designer at Google, but this was in 2005. So maybe not that good. Uh, <laughs> I like to think of I kind of became a designer at Google. Like I was around some really amazing people and really learned from them. Um, and just, I, I'm very much a learn by doing, which will be a recurring theme in this conversation. Nice. Um, and so I was there for 10 years and got to work on a lot of great things, with a lot of great people, um, moved up to Seattle towards the end of that for uh, personal reasons. And um, Facebook came knocking and ended up over there to kind of diversify, resume, diversify, network, um, see how another big company does things, uh, was there for a few years. Um, and about, um, I don't know, a year, year and a half into that, I knew that I, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to leave Facebook, um, but I, I more importantly, I wanted to go work on climate change. Um, that it kind of moved from, you know, a top issue to my number one issue. Um, and so I very much quickly started to plan like it, it wasn't enough to me to like donate or advocate or sign online petitions or um, et cetera. And honestly, I didn't look too deeply at, well, what can I do with inside Facebook? I looked at it a little bit, but Facebook at the time was very much thinking about like, how do we, um, you know, zero out the emissions on our uh, data centers? And to me, that's like, that's great. People are working on that. That's, that is really good work, but I wanted more. Um, and I wanted to learn and I wanted to like just really steep myself in it. So I started kind of planning my exit and I knew that I wouldn't be able to explore or figure out what that next thing would like looked like until I just left and took that leap hmm. and, and started exploring. So I left, I started exploring, uh, and, you know, tried a bunch of different things and Nori ended up being kind of what felt like the best fit. Um, and it, it just, yeah, that's worked out and here I am. Yeah. How did you find Nori? 
Um, when I left, I tried to be as vocal as possible. Um, like I don't use social media that much, but this was definitely one place when like I was leaving Facebook, I was, you know, very broadcasting my intent. I want to go work on climate change internally, uh, externally. Um, like I want to work on this. So I'm trying to kind of like, you know, uh, fan the, you know, just through my network, I guess. So I have somewhat, you know, an acquaintance, uh, someone I knew at Facebook reached out and said, Hey, I know somebody that's working on climate change up in Seattle, this company, Nori, you should talk to him. Um, and I made several other connections. I kind of explored, you know, the advocacy uh, lane, like kind of education or inform lane. The, uh, there's a couple other like areas that I really kind of tried out and landed on. I want to go make something. And so Nori felt like the closest thing to that. I, I can go make something, use some of my skills um, and learn along the way. So when you were broadcasting to your network, like, hey, I want to work on climate change. This is really important to me. Were you saying I am a product designer, or software designer, UX designer, and I want to work on climate change doing that? Or were you kind of saying I'm open to whatever? Um, I, I, I'm not positive what words I use, but I know the intent was I will do whatever. Wow. I'll go mop the floors. <laughs> like I like I just very much, again, like I learn by doing and learn by being around people working on this stuff. And I mean that quite literally. And I thought like I had more to offer than mopping the floors. So I felt pretty confident if I got in somewhere good where I was mopping the floors that I would mop them, you know, really well and start picking up other things where I could add value. So it was very much a kind of, you know, where kind of, and to some extent, like at Nori, like Nori had a designer. We've got a great designer, uh, Jacob Farney, and I didn't come in as a design director. Um, I came in as a product director, which I was interested in. I, I've kind of played with design slash running product, but I'd never really fully had the reins. And so I was excited about trying that out too and something new. But that was definitely a, a case in which I was kind of stretching and saying, what do you need? Mm -hmm. um, and here's what I've got. Do you think that that you know, helps? Um, and how can we try this out and see if it works? Yeah, I think Nori is one of the rare opportunities where, you know, they are building software. So Nori is a company that's building a marketplace, an online marketplace where you can purchase carbon offsets or do you... Carbon removal. Carbon there's removal. A difference. Yes, I know there's Sorry. all of these terms that I'm going to get wrong. All these so. terms. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> it's we're, we're learning this stuff. Yes, but yeah. they will yeah. they will literally, when you buy them, they will take your money and literally use it to remove carbon from the atmosphere and store it permanently correct i store for at least 10 years okay. um, and i'd love like the longer the better and there's a whole reason why we think that there's really good reason why that'll go a lot more than 10 years um depend but yeah we could get into the specifics of it but yes remove it store it it's already been removed and stored also at a small point of clarity where, where you're paying for what has already happened and you get to like kind of claim credit to that and once it's been bought it is yours forever it can never be resold so it's kind of retired yeah so what you are doing and what you're bringing to the table is from your background as a product designer you're helping build the online marketplace portion of that and like everything in climate um the things that we need to do are very physical on the ground literally like yeah. burying th burying things in the ground sometimes yeah. Yeah. um and so it's hard literally yeah it's hard to um imagine with people who have a background in tech um what can i possibly do in this industry and i think what you found was a very direct and very rare opportunity to use your skills to help immensely yeah, I mean, I think um, I think that is largely true. I will say, I feel like about I probably spent more than fifty percent of my time doing nothing to do with design, um, and more like design thinking and like how do you lead process? Um, how do you have kind of like I love the ambition 
of big tech and of Silicon Valley and, and, you know, uh, which is beyond Silicon Valley, but just like kind of that, like we're going to, you know, uh, um, Larry um, Page once said, you know, sometimes it's easier to do the thing that's harder, like the thing that's 10x harder. Um, and, and I think that really is about kind of dropping like, okay, if we're really going to do this, some like the 10x thing, like that means we have to rethink this. And that gets you kind of thinking about bigger change, bigger, uh, you know, kind of reaching for something, which sometimes is easier to do than trying to kind of like nibble your way there. Um, so I think there's a lot beyond just like I'm good with Photoshop or Sketch or I can do a good wireframe or do good you know, studies. It's that mentality. It's that thinking. It's that process. Um, and so like I've done, a, I've, I've gotten to know a lot about farming. I've worked a lot with farmers. Uh, I've done a lot of data entry. Um, I've done a lot of like kind of like trying to train people. I've tried to, there's a lot of stuff I've done that is not like a designer. And so I think that goes back to like, if you want to get into this, be willing to roll up your sleeves and maybe get out of your comfort zone, but trust that you bring value. You are a smart, intelligent person with, you know, skills um, about that, that goes beyond just the tools. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm currently teaching a class here at California College of the Arts uh, this semester called Climate Designers. So this is our attempt to bring this conversation into the design education um, space. And we just finished our first project actually today. Um, and the first project was really a short two-week sprint. Um, but the prompt of the project was take a personal interest that you have and design XYZ type of collateral um, on uh, with, with the idea that it's going to be affected by climate change. And the reason why I bring this up and and we talk to so many people at our meetups that, that join us every month. Um, and even just our friends and other colleagues in the space, uh, designers in the space. Um, they're just like, I'm a designer, but that has nothing to do with climate change. And so the reason why I'm bringing up my class and these conversations is like, well, let's start small. Like what's a personal interest that you have outside of design? And if you're really into cooking, into food, if you're really into farming, if you're really into, um, the outdoors, like, like enter the climate change conversation at that at that angle like learn sure. about it how it's going to be affected by climate change and then as a designer look for opportunities that you can um that you can find within that that angle that you can use your t uh, skills and talents to address so so yeah maybe maybe what i'm getting at is what do you say to these designers who feel maybe a little bit uh what's the word uh sheepish Maybe a little timid, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, I don't, I'm not a scientist. Yeah. I don't know anything about climate change. Like, how do you, what, what advice do you have for them to just even get into the space? Yeah. So I, I think that like, um, I feel like my process and my challenge would be, um, A is like, first and foremost, it's okay. It's, it's sometimes valuable to have kind of beginner mindset, right? And totally. I don't know much about this, right? Like it's a lot of people have been working on this for decades and they only see it like one way. And so there, there is value in knowing less um, and kind of coming in with fresh eyes. Uh, number two, um, I'm going to push on that a little on kind of what you were just laying out on how you come at this. And I'm going to say like climate change to me is not like salt on the meal. It's the friggin' like it's your your it's your diet for the next year. Like it is, <laughs> it is the whole thing. Yeah. And so I, I I think like look anything you can do to get into it like is absolutely to be applauded and that's fantastic. Um, but we need like as as a as a species to like dig into this a lot deeper. Now that doesn't necessarily mean you have to change your job or or make big changes. But I would actually say you could start with a personal passion or something like that. And I think there's a lot of <sighs> 
you know, sometimes it's called like greenwashing, uh, where it's like, and I think a lot of stuff around like, you know, emissions and stuff is like for good PR. Um, and it's kind of scraping the surface. We, we've got to get beyond scraping the surface. So um, it, it's great to start there. It's great to start with a passion. What is related? How do I think about this? What's going to happen when these resources are less? Another way to go at it is just go pick up a book and start reading about climate change. And like the one I often recommend is Drawdown. Mm-hmm. It's very approachable. It covers a hundred different ways. And, and it really gets into like, you know, education and things that you wouldn't think of as directly being about climate change. Um, and they've got even more online. Um, so uh, I think that there are, and there's probably other great things to, out there to read, but like, Go find out what sparks your passion that's like about making it the whole meal, right? Like, and go find out like, man, I've never even thought about like our energy system and the grid system. And like, there's a great book called The Grid if you want to dig into that. And like, I'm going to go learn about this. Um, There's a book that I I wouldn't necessarily recommend. It was was a good book, but The 4-Hour Workweek. Um, one of my interesting takeaways I thought took out of that was a guy is like, look, you're going to work for 60 years. You could have one career for 60 years, or you could have six careers and like master something and then, you know, for 10 years and then go work on something else for 10 years. Um, and so like that really stuck with me. And I kind of saw this as like, this is career number two. Hmm. Um, and I think it is more of a carryover. It's more of a continuation. I think it's almost impossible not to have that. But I, my process was very much like, um, I'm okay rebooting and, and it's scary. It's scary going back and being like, you're used to being the expert and being of a certain level of skill. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I would just challenge people to, if that is interesting to you, if that, like, if you all feel called to that, like, you know, maybe tug out a little bit, maybe save up enough to be able to do that for a year. And you can always go back. You can always go back and be a designer. No one's going to be like, what? You went and spent a year trying to learn about climate change. And like, I don't know if we're going to hire that. Like, no, like that's going to be appealing. Like, uh, so, uh, I don't know. That's my my quick react, my quick take on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm curious actually. I want to dig in a little bit about what you said. If somebody feels called to work on climate change, can you describe what happened, or was there any particular in- incident that happened? Yeah. Or anything like that that made you say, you know, climate change is the whole meal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think the the two events for me that stand out and they feel like really boring uh, and non-new, but like I watched Inconvenient Truth in 2006 and that really stuck with me. And that's what kind of put climate change on my radar and said, this is like a top five, top three issue. Um, But kind of in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, but we'll figure it out, right? Like this is a big thing to keep you mindful of. And then like it kept snowballing and like uh, it was really alarming to me how little was discussed in the 2016 election and then Trump got elected. And for me, that was like an instant, like Trump got elected um, and I was uh, I was literally afraid for the world more than anything because of all the things he was promising and the way he talked about it and thinking of how much America is a leader in it. Like a lot of times people like to say, uh, I mean, just the statistics of, of climate change is so fascinating. You know, the United States is only responsible for like 15% of emissions. Um, sure. But how much of the emissions do you think we're responsible for over the last 200 years? Because that's the problem. It's not ongoing emissions. That is part of it. The big problem is how much we've already put up there. And we're responsible for a lot more. Um, I think it's at least a third, um, which is crazy when you consider how big our... So, I think our role in this is important. I think the role of government is important. And that's my personal opinion and different people, you know, feel different ways. But so him getting elected was like, to me, a crisis moment for climate change. And I felt very much like, I I, I don't know what I can do. I don't think I, it's kind of um, uh, egotistical to think I can make a dent in this. But by golly, I'm not, it's going to be hard for me to sleep at night if I'm not trying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I immediately, like, I'm from Texas again. I've eaten meat my whole life. I stopped eating meat that day. I don't know what my last meat dish was. Um, 
and uh and it's easy for me my wife is vegetarian so that was kind of easy um so yada 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 but those are the two big events for me and that's was just like uh you know like this is uh, you know i'm in and i think the one other piece i'll say that was easy for me is i made a 100 day plan um i didn't say like i'm definitely leaving my job i'm definitely claim like i kind of made out like here's an ambitious thing i can do for 3 months uh, roughly, and and things I can take. And one of the things I was going to do is consider a career change. Um, but there were other things, you know, going vegetarian, it wasn't like a forever thing. I was like, I'm going to do this for three months. And then like, hey, that's not that bad. So you don't have to eat the whole thing in one bite. Um, but that was, that was at least my path. Very cool. Yeah, I think the 2016 elections were very galvanizing for a lot of people. And yeah. in a lot of ways, you know, as, as terrible as Trump and his policies are for the environment, having him elected was actually probably a good thing to get all of these people totally. like yourself um, it's fired glass up. glass half full or glass third full. <laughs> I think it would have been better. But anyways, it's, it is what it is. Like, this is reality. And why fight reality? Like, he got elected. Move on. Now what? Now what? And, and now we're living the now what? Exactly. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about what is your path at Nori and what's coming up next for you. Yeah. Um, man, we're so... Oh, man, it's just so much to say. Um, I think the short of it is we've kind of proven this works. We just we issued our first kind of carbon removals. Uh, we call them Nori carbon removal tons or NERTs. Uh, I'm going to really try to stay away from the acronyms and jargon. Um, we just issued our first set of those, about 15,000, sold a bunch of them. Can you um, can you describe what that means briefly? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Um, so... A carbon removal um, is a, a generic term for a single ton of CO2 or a CO2 equivalents, because there are other greenhouse gases can be measured. CO2 is the, the biggest one by volume uh, by far, but there's also like methane and nitrous oxide. So CO2 that has been pulled out of the atmosphere and stored somewhere for a long period of time and hopefully, you know, perpetually for forever. Um, but that's you know, the price on forever is very, very, very high, mm -hmm. right? That's called like dinosaurs. Um, uh, or there's literally technology to pull it out of the air and put it, inject it into basalt rock under the ocean where it'll be for a thousand years. So there are methods that are um, a lot closer to permanent, but those are 400 to to $1,000 a ton, whereas some of the methods we're dealing with are, you know, $15 a ton or $10 a ton. Mm. So we've kind of proven that that works. We've, we've gotten, we've done it, built enough around that, which was a lot of work. Um, to be able to kind of quantify how much was pulled down, choosing a methodology, which is we work um, with farmers who are changing the farming practices. If you change how you farm, um, you can actually turn a farm into a net carbon sink, uh, where plants on your farm through photosynthesis are pulling down uh, CO2, turning it into carbon, storing it in the biomass of the plant or in the below ground biomass, so like the root system and in the soil itself, where it will stay if you don't like till your land um, or do other things, or you add cover crops, which means more plants pulling it down more of the year. And it's staying there. It's good for the land. It's not cheap or easy to make those changes. And so we're trying to help incentivize farmers making those changes and reward them by quantifying, uh, working with independent uh, accredited verifiers to verify um, that those practices have been adopted um, and uh, being able to actually then issue this kind of asset that can be then sold, these NERTs uh, or uh, carbon removals. Um, that are uh, people can buy and say, look, I, you know, took an airplane that put up, you know, three tons of CO2 in the atmosphere. I'm going to pay to have it removed. And this is the real shorthand on the difference between a carbon removal and a carbon offset or a carbon credit. A carbon removal, if you think of this as like a garbage problem, we've been putting garbage on the street for a couple hundred years, and the streets are impassable now. Um, 
carbon offsets is paying someone to, they, they were putting out 10 bags, now they're going to put out five bags, you're going to take that credit for the five bags they're not putting out. Um, and that's going to make you feel better about the five you added on the street. Hmm. So you're paying for someone else to kind of reduce. Typically, it's not always. There is some like afforestation, so planting new trees that is carbon removal, but most carbon offsets are um, paying for mitigation or or reducing emissions. Um, Carbon credits are a whole other thing, but carbon removal is paying someone to pick up the garbage which is what we've got to do. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really excited. We're building a market that's just about that. We've kind of proven it out. And I think right now we're in the thick of trying to scale that up. And there's just every single piece of that um, needs to run 100 times more efficiently for us to get from you know handful of farmers to hundreds or thousands of farmers. Um, the company is really built around kind of low margins because we want to make a big impact in this problem. So we really want this to only work when we are trading millions or billions of tons. Um, so big ambition. Um, and, you know, we'll see. Uh, but hopefully, I think the last thing I'll say is we've got a podcast. Um, you can go to Nori.com to learn more about us. Um, we're trying really hard to be very transparent. If we fail, I hope that at least all the things we do and learn um, help, you know, inform and help others. I really see us all as on team climate change. And, you know, anything we can do to all kind of help each other, we're trying to do um, to, you know, help us all succeed. Awesome. Any last things you want to say before we wrap up? Um you know, I, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously care. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thank you. Thank you for caring. Um, and, you know, I think we're all in this together. And man, go roll up your sleeves and just dive in. And it, don't be afraid of, like, failing. Like, failing is beautiful. Um, go, like, just enjoy the experience. Learn. Um, and and uh, let's, let's see if we can move things forward. Um, uh, you know, beyond that, um, I do hope sometime this year I want to write more um, about how I like, I feel like my time working on climate change, I've kind of formulated a story, a narrative, how I think about the problem space and the different areas of the problem space. And if that's out there, please tell me somebody's already written that um, and I'll share somebody else's better writing. But if it's not, it's something I think needs to exist for someone who's trying to like figure out how to. Um, and if you want to hear my, my rant on that, feel free to, you know, email, uh, email me or tweet me. I'm at like it on Twitter. Um, and I'll be happy to share rough drafts of that um, or thinking of that. I've talked to a number of designers over the years uh, that are considering the change. So That's at L-E-G-G-E-T? Two Ts, L-E-G-G-E-T-T. I'm into that. I yeah, know, I would I, hear that. definitely keep us posted on that. I mean, it, it would be great uh, as all of us are designers to to kind of bring different perspectives to the table. Yeah, uh, you speak my language, right? I don't speak science. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Well, we are like that's. I, I'll, I'll leave it one other. Like, there's so many things designers do that are so applicable. We are storytellers. Totally, right? totally. We are like we are salesmen, right? We are uh, like this is these are valuable skills. This is a hard story to tell. Yeah, it's, it's very simple and yet it's very complicated. Yep. Um, so. So, like, it, I just don't accept that, you know, you don't have something to contribute to this problem space. Uh, finding out where to do it is hard. I acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah. And and just to offer our platform as a space to do it, if you want to write some guest blogs on our blog or newsletter, feel free to do so. Like, you know, we're trying to create this Climate Designers Project as the platform for any designer, all walks of life, any age, um, any discipline to learn how they can get involved. And so... Uh, yeah, please use us as a resource. Yeah, if, I think that would be hugely valuable you know, for I know, everyone. I know Nori has a huge, um, huge, um, 
you know, presence on on the web on the on the carbon side, but you know, let's yeah. let's help you know create climate designers in a way that we this project Absolutely. becomes the the kind of the go to spot for designers that are interested in learning more about this. So, you know, invitations out there, man. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Let's do it. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thanks, Michael, for joining us. Um, yeah. Check out Nori N O R I dot com, um, and you can find all the amazing stuff that they're doing on the website. Michael, do you have a personal website? Yeah, it's legit.org. I'm basically legit everywhere. Cool. Okay. Um, I amazingly have managed that. So awesome. Nice. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll put all the links and everything in the show notes below. But uh, Michael, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Hey, y'all! Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out climatedesigners.org to sign up for email updates. And while you're there, you can check out other stuff. You can create a profile page highlighting your climate-related work, or you can seek out climate jobs and other resources to boost your climate design career. Or for design educators, find resources to bring climate action into your classroom. Yeah, join the conversation on social media with a hashtag I am a climate designer or hashtag climate designers, all one word. Is it too much to ask? Can we keep the